It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Secret Golf Podcast and an exciting week because it's the first major of 2020. Um, Obviously, you know, we've had a longer wait. We have the PGA Championship this week and then in the not too distant future, it's going to be the US Open and the Masters. So we are going to be spoiled, but of course, this is a big one. And at Secret Golf, the PGA Championship is always an event that we look forward to because Steve Elkington is a winner. Good morning. Thank you, Diane, for that introduction. 25 years ago, I was lucky enough to win this event in Riviera down in uh, Southern California, but the weather was nothing like they're going to see this week. Diane, can we just have a moment of silence for the San Francisco weather? 55 degrees and blowing 20 miles an hour? You must, your Scottish heritage must be just. Are you ready to have some fruitcake and tea this week? <laughs> well, funny you should say that because I'm in uh, Jacksonville in Florida and I was about to say, if you hear a funny noise, it's because there's guys outside trimming the palm trees, which is the most Florida thing that I could ever come out with. But <laughs> it's hard to imagine that they're going to have that weather this week when we're like dying in the heat here in Florida. I'm sure you're the same in Houston. But you get that horrible fog up there too and um, they call it like they've got a name for it when that like thick thick fog comes in on the course and I mean with the chilly weather with that fog it's going to make for some very different playing conditions for the guys this week well, you're right, of course. You know, they're coming from Memphis. They've been playing, you know, in Ohio where it's been close to 100 degrees the last three weeks. It's almost like a 45-degree change. I was listening to some of the guys talk uh, last night and talk to some of our players. They're talking about the TrackMan numbers. Of course, we didn't have TrackMan, Diane, which is a device that's used to measure everything. But they're saying that their swing speeds are somewhat 10%, 15% lower just because they can't swing as hard as they could in Memphis. Mm-hmm. So. We've already handicapped this uh, event when we did our show this week on Sports Grid, and we were talking about how the big six holes, is six really long holes at Harding Park. There's a few easy ones, but there's six real major holes. 
And boy, are they going to play hard this week. The wind's blowing out of the west and supposed to continue to do so. So three or four of those holes are going to play into the west, Diane. So we're talking 200-plus yards approach shots into all Mm -hmm. these. That'll be exciting. We haven't seen any of those except flip wedges all year. We'll talk about the uh, those holes in a minute at TPC Harding Park. But you mentioned our brand new show on Sports Grid, and this is super exciting. So I think we start by talking about that. And we're recording this right now on Wednesday morning, and the show is going to go out every Wednesday at 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern, and then again at 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. on the Sports Grid Network. And we're calling it the SG Tour Report. Now, the thing about the show, and uh, and we will go into it, we want you to obviously watch the show and you'll learn more about it there, but we take the entire field, their official world golf ranking, then with your expertise, Elk, you look at the course and the six stats that are really going to be important when it comes to performing well on that course. Then we look at the field and their stats for those six categories and we put it all into the computer. The computer spits out a new re-ranking, the secret golf ranking, we're calling it. And wow, there really are some surprises. The guys that are sizzling, i.e. the guys that are moving up in our ranking and the guys that are fizzling, a.k.a. <laughs> moving down. Um, we're having a lot of fun with this so far, aren't we? Well, we are. You know, people must know that you can't just take historical data and try to overlay into an event and see what is, what what's going to happen. We take in, you know, we take in... Uh, in regards injuries, we take in how motivated the players are, how, how much fatigue they have. This week we waited heavily on their last three events that they've played in. Of course, Tiger Woods is back this week. He, has, he doesn't have much that we can put in the plus column, Diane. He, uh, he's only played 11 rounds on tour this year. He's had terrible statistics. He said so as much. Um, I tell you what, he won this tournament in 05 at Harding Park, and we took his statistics, which was really interesting for us. We took Tiger's statistics in 05 that he did at Harding Park, and we overlaid them again this week. And where do you think that would shuffle him from 15th in the world ranking? Where do you think that would put him this week? Of course, I'm going to answer it. It moves him right to the top. However, he doesn't have that. So we use that for the baseline, Diane, and the guys that we've ranked above Tiger's old benchmark, if you will, are the Mm -hmm. Sizzlers, and the ones that are below it, of course, are the Fizzlers. So... We'll start by talking about Tiger. I'm just going to go through his numbers here just um, just while you mentioned that there. He is 15 in the official World Golf Ranking, but we have to remember limited rounds. He's only played 11 rounds this season. Um, and with Tiger, there's that big intangible of it's Tiger Woods. Anything can happen, especially in a major when he's going for Jack's record. But... We have him in the secret golf ranking at 50. So that's a a fizzle of 35 places. Now, the reasons why, again, limited rounds, but in putting from five feet, which you said was going to be an important stat this week, he comes in at 204th in approach from 200 yards. That You opened with that there, saying that that was going to be a really fundamental shot, especially on these six tough holes. He's 201st and greens in regulation right now tigers 185th you must look at these stats and be like who is this guy you know it's it's almost not even fair or real to look at those stats of tiger woods but 
He says yesterday he's ready. He's here. It's what he's mm-hmm. been gunning for. Of course, we all saw him on TV recently playing the match, and he uh, he played very well, of course. And this week he's trying out a new putter. He's added, added a little weight. Scotty Cameron's made him an, a new putter that has more weight in it. And that's kind of worrisome to me, too, because usually when a, you've got a guy of Tiger who's won, I think, all 14 or 14 of his 15 majors with his old putter, he's going with a new one. That tells me he's not feeling the head weight of his putter. Now, it could be just a experiment so that when he goes back tomorrow, I'll be very shocked if he doesn't have his old one in there tomorrow. But, you know, things on the positive side for Tiger is, yes, he is he is going for, you know, Jack's record. He played golf at Stanford. He knows Poana and West Coast grasses really well. Things that are against him, the intangibles are, of course, no game form. He hasn't been playing much. Um, weather, weather doesn't help him. He's getting a little older, and he's obviously, even even in his practice round swings, he says, I don't have as much movement as I used to. Okay, so how does that match up against guys that uh, are really on fire? I mean, in comparison, if Tiger Woods, if we threw away everyone in the field and we just put Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas, which they are paired together tomorrow, Diane, who would you pick out of those two? And I think you'd have to give Tiger one stroke aside to keep up with JT. I think he's a runaway train. Mm-hmm. We were, as we were saying, you know, we kind of laid all this over Tiger's 05 stats when he played the WGC there and won. It was a, a, he won in a playoff against John Daly. <laughs> That we yeah. talk about it on the show, but it makes me laugh the fact that John Daly um, drove straight to Vegas and blew all of his winnings. It was like six hundred thousand dollars in one night. <laughs> that so, has to be a chapter in a book somewhere for sure. Oh, for sure, I'm sure he tells that story very regularly, or maybe not because he lost the money. But um, you were saying that the six holes are really important, and um, we're going to go in and talk about them. Six, eight, nine, 12, 14, and 18. But over the course of the tournament, Tiger played those holes in plus three, the rest of the holes minus 13. So it just goes to show that those really are the six holes that you're going to win or lose the tournament on. Yeah, I mean, I could even go as far, Diane, as saying this is almost a 24-hole event. What does that mean? Well, you know, those six holes times four is 24. If everyone has to play, obviously everyone has to play these holes, but they're so long. The first one, the sixth hole, you know, they may finish up a little downwind, have a 180-yard shot, a five-iron or a six-iron into the green. Uh, Okay, that's fine. But then when they turn back into number eight, 250-yard par three, then nine to 520-yard par four, you know, the scorecard can get a little ugly, Diane, and as you get a couple, two or three over par, it's very hard to fight back at mm-hmm. Harding Park. Um, there's only one par five on the back nine, number 10, that they will be able to reach in two. But they sort of, it's a very interesting layout. It sort of just keeps hitting you every three or four holes with a really hard hole. And, you know, from experience of playing the tour, a lot of times you would see a guy on the on the leaderboard like Tiger Woods and they would just literally breeze through these hard holes. And you'd, you'd watch that scoreboard and you'd see someone up on the board and you'd say, okay, I see he's getting ready to come to eight and nine. Let's see if he can hold his, hold his own through those two. And you'll see sometimes they stumble. But look, there's going to be a lot of um, the roughs up. I got a text from Mark Leishman last night and uh, I said, mate, how's it looking out there? And he goes, the rough is brutal and I love it is what his text was. So Leishman's looking for, you know, there's so much talk about these guys hit it far and try to wedge it in. There's a, there's a big push, Diane, out on the tour for a good setup like this because they want 
they know that if they can hit it straight, they will go mm-hmm. up the board like crazy. Right. Let's say um, we're going to go into the, the secret golf ranking and we'll have a look at some of the guys that really sizzled up. Justin Thomas, we have to talk about because he is the new number one in the world and we have him ranked at number one when we put in all the stats into the computer. And I mean, it's very easy to see why. He is fifth in scrambling right now, 10th in putting average, greens and reg 24. We also said that we do take some intangibles and um, one of those is his recent form, the last three tournaments played. He's finished first, 18th and second. Um, (laughs) You know, he won last week at the WGC in Memphis. He had that second place finish at um, the work day, just in that playoff with Colin Morikawa. Justin Thomas, well, watching the final day on Sunday at the WGC in Memphis, um, he was incredible. It, he, Of course, he's number one. He has to be the guy that you're looking at right now. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're sort of manufacturing some, some, uh, some uh, odds or some talking points for Brooks, but statistically wise... Brooks is not in the even in the same, you know, not in the same ballpark as Justin Thomas this year in stats. Mm-hmm. You know, his father's a PGA pro. He's a PGA champion. One in 2017. One of his best friends is Tiger Woods. They're playing together this week. They were partners <laughs> together in Australia at the Presidents Cup. So we have to assume there's zero intimidation factor. In fact, I think it might uh, actually help Justin Thomas to focus him even more playing with Tiger Woods in the first two rounds. Starting off early tomorrow, I really like that for them, for both of them. Tiger, because of his his age and his injury uh, to be get off. Because when you play early on Thursday, you almost have a whole day off before you play late Friday, as opposed to a late tea time, Diane, on a Thursday. You're, you just go home, you eat, you, you have eight hours of sleep, and then bang, you're right back on the golf course. Now, it can work both ways, but I've always thought getting off early in a major was a somewhat of an advantage Brooks Kepka, we are going to mention we have him as one of our sizzlers this week and it's only because you know we put all the information into the computer and that's what it spits out he's defending champion he's a two-time PGA champion he was defending last week at the WGC in Memphis and you know played pretty good he had one kind of dodgy round but Brooks, who's ranked number six in the world right now, we have him at number 38 in the Secret Golf ranking. And, well, the numbers tell a story, don't they? In scrambling, he's 209th. In driving accuracy, he's 185th. Elk, how important is that going to be this week when we know that the rough is going to be so thick and juicy? Very. I mean, Brooks, you know, he has terrible stats too. He had a great week last week, and I think the big advantage that he has, Diane, is the thing that he he that we can't measure is he gets so pissed off that everybody tells him they've got no he's got no chance. It actually slingshots him back the other way, and we saw that last week where he came second out of nowhere. Now he did mention that he had a had a bit of a summit with all of his coaches, and they figured a few things out, and that's great. He still had a few dodgy shots, as you noted. He hit it in the water on eighteen, um, which is a He'll be that'll be that'll sting pretty heavily. He did also last week get out to a good lead. He's been injured, you know. He had an MRI a couple of weeks ago and said there's still a tendon tear in his left patella. That's worrisome. But you know what? He's up for the challenge, Diane. I think that just that second place last week just gave him enough of a boost to where right. He's like, okay, let's see what we can do this week. Now. If he continues to do anything like his stats say, 
he's going to have mm-hmm. to better his stats probably 60 or 70 percent to wow. get up into that zone that we talked about Tigers 05 stats so it's gonna be very tough for him um, to win this tournament yeah I want to go through some of the other sizzlers. Jason Day, right up to number two in the Secret Golf ranking, a jump of 40 spots compared to his official World Golf ranking. Elk, what is it about Jason Day's game right now? Because if you look at his last three finishes, um, sixth, fourth, and seventh, which Jason Day's a little bit, he's kind of creeping up and a little bit out of nowhere. Well, everybody gets tired of, Jason Day, that he's injured or not injured, or he bends over funny when he, you know, gets a putt out. I, just, I don't know if it's real or whatever, but it's kind of a weird phenomenon with Jason Day. You never know if he's hurt or not. But one of the reasons he came up, and now I was really shocked when I saw how far he jumped when we put it in the computer, and, and it's mm-hmm. got a lot to do with these 200-yard shots. I mean, Jason Day is an absolute freak when it comes to hitting those long irons, and also, he chips really good and he putts really good. So it wasn't a total surprise once I saw the stats, but he's been playing really good. I mean, anytime mm-hmm. you go out in this environment and finish in the top six or seven three times in a row, there's no way, Diane, that you can say that he's out of it. He's got a real shot at it. So um, I'm really bullish on these six stats that I've picked in those six holes. They will have to play those six holes good. If you go through those six holes three over, two over each day, you're talking 10, 12 over for those for the week, you've got no chance. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through the stats for all of our people for the sizzle and the fizzle because we want you to go and check out our show at Sports Grid and we'll tell you how you can watch that in a little while. But I'll give you some other names of guys that really jumped up in the sizzle. Xander Shoffley, it kind of comes as no surprise. Daniel Berger, Brendan Todd, who, talking of recent form, Berger and Todd have had incredible recent form. Daniel Berger getting that win and Todd was in contention last week. But uh, one guy that I do want to talk about, he was a champion last week. It's not Justin Thomas. He was a champion on PGA Tour Champions, making his debut there, Jim Furyk. Yeah, I knew you were going to go here on this one. 50-year-old Jim Furyk just joined the Champions Tour and won his first week out. The interesting thing about Furyk is he's number one in fairways hit on the whole PGA Tour, not the Champions Tour, the PGA Tour, and he's first in greens in reg. That means he's almost going to play every hole perfectly or he's going to play equivalent of perfect, of Mm -hmm. of better than every other player out there in the field. Okay, I know he's not the longest. I know he's uh, he's older and all that, but... Where do we actually place him? I think he jumps way up to 14th, but I think you're going to see Jim Fury. I think you're going to see him hang around. When you think about Brendan Todd, he's way up there in driving accuracy in the top three. I'm starting to get text and I'm starting to get talk and I'm starting to hear a lot from our players, Diane, about how straight you're going to have to finish up hitting it mm-hmm. because of this wind and because the rough is going to stay sort of wet all week. So, you know... In the afternoon when the fog's coming in, you know, there's just there's no great advantage of playing late with a dry rough. And it's interesting as well that Furyk, um, looking at his odds, he's 300 to 1. So that would be bet, a story. Maybe. That would be a story. Um, some dark horses. And we say dark horses, but it's just guys that, you know, you traditionally wouldn't think would be so high up. 
in a ranking when it came to our secret golf ranking these guys all did and it's cool i love to see it but um, matthew fitzpatrick ches reeby harris english and tom lewis they are four five six and seven respectively we were looking at this list and it's fun to talk about because the huge jumps for these guys. You have someone like Tom Lewis who played European Tour and finished fantastically last week in Memphis. But that's a real dark horse, him coming in at number seven. Yeah, because I don't know much about Tom Lewis's game. I saw he did finish second last week. But I do know Ches Reevy really well, and he would be mm-hmm. considered a short hitter on the PGA Tour. And this is going to be a bit of a mind-blower, but could the playing those six holes be an advantage for a guy that hits it shorter and I would say maybe if he's a super player with like hybrids like he's further back Diane where he doesn't sometimes on a hole if I hit a good drive and I'm left with a three or a four iron well that's that's not easy that that easy for anyone but if you're way shorter uh like a Ches Reeve and you're just back there with a five wood or a, or a hybrid and you're really good with those clubs then I think it plays into their advantage being a little shorter so mm-hmm. you know what is the highlight there of Chez's stats? You probably have it right there in front of you. The, his driving accuracy, he's sixth. And yeah. he's had some great finishes recently too. He actually came in at um, number two when we look at his recent form. He finished sixth last week. Um, well, in his most recent finish, um, 22nd and then 17th. So for Chez, those are really good finishes. Yeah, we just, you know, we try to weight this stuff correctly we try to keep our heart out of it diane like you do when you like to pick your picks and we <laughs> go with the uh, go with the data uh you know it's always interesting now, this is this is a system that we're putting in place to help people uh predict what their favorite players might do or may not do whether they're going to make the cut or not i think it's interesting it should be interesting that there's different ways that uh these courses play for people, Diane. Last week, our ratings that we used at Memphis were totally different. I don't, I don't even think we use any of the same data points that we're doing this week. So very interesting. We should talk a little bit about the fizzlers. And again, you know, we want you to listen to the show on Sports Grid. Um, if you go on their YouTube, actually, that's probably the best place to go and check it out because you can watch the full show there. Just go on YouTube and search for Sports Grid. But some of the guys that are really sizzling, sorry, fizzling are big names like Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, who we talked about, Tiger, who we talked about, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, and the biggest fall comes from Justin Rose. He's 16 in the world right now. We have him ranked at 102nd. It's a, a fall of 86 places when we re-ranked him. You love Justin Rose Elk, so again, that has to be a difficult one to see. Yeah, he's such a tidy player. He's just, you know, he was with Honma Equipment Company and he left them and he came out in the pandemic, played really well at Colonial right out of the gate with some new gear. I think he had tailor-made and he was really happy with it. But since then, Diane, he's he's missed the cut, missed the cut, missed the cut. So he has no recent form. He didn't even play last week. He turned 40, which is hard for me to believe, the guy. I thought he was always (laughs) still in his 20s. But um, he's in a big group this week and I think Justin will play a lot better. I think you know, he lives over in the Bahamas. He'll be ready. Uh, he's English, Diane, so this weather should be nothing for Justin Rose. Uh, you know, it is it is a, it's a big surprise. I, I don't know where to put it. You tell me. Where's the stat there that uh, is ugly for him? 
Yeah, I mean, his good stat is amazing and it's that approach from 200 yards. He's fourth in that, but then everything else just kind of lets him down. Greens and rec, he's 210th. So that's an obvious problem. Scrambling 189th and recent form, as you say, three missed cuts. He's 108. Um, 102nd in driving accuracy as well. So doesn't bode well for the Englishman this week. No, I think every I think the top of the uh, the top of the food chain this week, Diane, is Justin Thomas. He does everything pretty well with his swing. Of course, he has all that momentum and he's uh, of winning last week. He's he's just you know, Dejambo is another exciting player that we, we we touched on. He's already said in his press conference that he's going to bomb it as far as he can and take his chances. I don't like his chances out of the rough. I mean, I like his chances sometimes out of the rough, but not this week. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about strategy. The 18th hole, well, 16, 17 and 18 are great holes. It's a a brilliant finishing stretch at TBC Harding Park. But what about 18? Because you stand on that tee and it it is a very intimidating tee shot. Yeah, 18 uh, at Harding Park is a great hole. It's uh, dog legs around Lake Merced. It's... uh, it's one of these holes that sort of runs along the edge of a cliff, but they've pulled the tee way back to the left, like if you could imagine the 18th at Pebble Beach with the tee another 100 yards out into the water. So you have to come and make a decision how much of the cliff you want to take off. There's only really two lines. There's sort of the safe line that puts you out to some bunkers at about 300 yards off the tee, and then they'll have maybe a mid-iron into the green or... We'll see some guys, Diane, that are going to go for the big shot right across the corner. If they take over that 285, they're only going to have a flip wedge into that green. So, you know, I never went that tiger line. I always played it out to the right, and I thought it was a great hole, and four is a great score on 18 any day. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, It's one of those things where you've told me so much about it, and I've seen drawings of it. Um, you know, or even flyovers, you don't realize that when you're standing on the tee, it's not flat. Like it, there, that the lake there is, there's a gorge, and you just don't really get a feel for that. No, the the wind, the wind is going to blow out of the west this week. You know, it's going to be chilly, so it will be a big decision. It'll be downwind a little bit, which mm-hmm. the players will be just just really would like to take off the corner. So we're going to see guys, when we watch the TV, I want you to remember, you'll see some guys that are going to pull a three-wood or a hybrid to stay to the right. If you see someone with a driver, he's going to have too much club to play safe, so he's going to be automatically taking on the whole, you know, right across the whole show. Now, some of these guys hit it so far, and that's cool. But if you miss hit it or tow it or do something, Diane, you're going to be dropping it right there again, right in front of you on the tee. Oh, yeah. So looking at the secret golfers that we've got playing this week in the PGA Championship, Brian Harmon, Andrew Landry, Jason Duffner, former PGA champion as well, Ryan Palmer, Jason Kokrak, JT Poston and Mark Leishman. You talked about Leishman and uh, he seems very up for the challenge. Over the past few weeks, we've sensed that Leishman's been lacking a little bit of um, of motivation he had that win at Tory Pines early in the season he's safe for the playoffs so maybe this is the event that he's almost been counting down to I'm glad that he showed up in the fizzles this week Diane because I didn't want to talk about how good Leash was going to play because I want him to just sneak up on everyone this week he texted me last night and said he is so happy that the rough is up because to be honest with you if if you go to a tournament Diane and you're a good player like Leishman 
mm-hmm. and the rough's up, and you know that if you hit it in the rough, you've got no chance, and let's say you do get eliminated after 36 holes, fine. I'm fine with that. I just don't want it easy for anyone. So uh, I want everyone to have to hit it straight. So, mm-hmm. um, And that, that's where he is. He's like, you know what? I don't care if they hit it a mile down there. I don't care if Bryson hits it 50 yards past me. He's going to have to hit it in the fairway. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a big push on tour, as you know, that everyone's going for length, and that's fine. Just there's also a big push on tour to screaming at the rules officials and the guys that set up the course to make it so that everyone has to hit it straight. I don't care if the guy hits it 350. Jack Nicholas said it the other day when he was covering his tournament at Memorial. He said, "Hey, I'm fine with Bryson driving it down there. He's just got to make sure he's got to drive it in the fairway because if he hits it in the rough, he's not getting on the green." Wow. Ryan Palmer has got to be a name to watch. He's been on our radar for such a long time, obviously. But already this season, Ryan Palmer has had four top 10 finishes out of 15 events that he's played. He finished great in Memphis as well. But um, Ryan Palmer is, you know, I hate to say a stalwart on tour, but, you know, he is. And he's a little bit older than the, the youngins that are out there making moves right now. But he just needs to put the four good days together, as cliche as it sounds. Yeah, well, Ryan Palmer, you know, he was in that final group with John Rahm at the Memorial Tournament. And Rahm got in, what, eight-shot lead with nine holes to play. And then it became a, a, a basically a tournament between Rahm versus Rahm's head. And uh, John Rahm finished up, you know finishing off the tournament, won it. And Ryan Palmer, I, I was t- texting with him that night. I was like, mate, you didn't hit it that good. You look like you missed every putt yeah. and nothing went right for you, but you still had a chance to win the Memorial. He's like, I know. He said, oh, my game is just, it's just sort of solid. Okay. Look, there's no, there's no mistake here. If Ryan Palmer could get, get it going, he's had enough action this year playing against Ram head to head, all this stuff. If he could knock off a major, wouldn't that be something to put on his put on his cake when you're forty something, Diane, and you win a major? And I don't want to say it's the end of his career; it's the end of his peak on the tour, age-wise. So, wouldn't that mm-hmm. be awesome if he could do something like that? It's funny because he had um, won the Zurich in New Orleans, the team event with John Ram, and then you see them playing against each other in that final group at Memorial. His last solo win came in 2010 at the Sony Open. 10 years. Imagine the story if after 10 years you get another win and it's your first major. He's such a nice guy too. We love him, obviously. It would be great to see it happen. Yeah, he, he, um, he's not been without being in the heat, though. He, he's been around the heat a lot. So, you know, we've said, we've said this. You and I have said, oh, Jordan Spieth said it. By the way, no one's talking about Jordan who's going for the Grand Slam this week. <laughs> He said that this is the easiest time to win a golf tournament because no one's out there and it's like playing high school golf. But, you know, since the pandemic's come on, all the stars have won every event. There's been no emergence, Diane, of any of the young guys at all other than the ones we thought would, like Morikawa and Xander Shoffley. But we've seen all the stars almost win every event. Dustin Johnson, um, Rahm, JT, you know, it's just been a who's who's won the last eight events. You were just saying there that Jordan Smith is going for the Grand Slam and nobody's talking about him. Why is that? You know, it seemed like, Diane, like not too long ago, everyone was calling Justin Thomas the little brother of Jordan, the great Jordan Spieth. And now it's like 
it's not only as a reverse, but nobody's talking about Jordan Spieth as the little brother to Justin Thomas. It's like Justin Thomas was adopted by Tiger, and now he's turned into Tiger, and <laughs> Jordan Spieth's been left behind. I do like Jordan Spieth a lot. Um, I've been around him. He's such a competitor, and I'm just saying he doesn't have the tools right now. He's a stroke and a half worse per round putting than he used to be. Try to put six or seven strokes on your on your scorecard more per week than you did back when you were playing well, and he's mm-hmm. driving it crooked. There's an old saying on tour, Diane, if you're driving it that crooked, you can't beat anyone, and that's why he finds himself where he is. He tried to change his swing, go for a little bit more distance. He may say he's settled things with his swing and all that, but clearly he's lost some kind of feel of where the club face is on the backswing because... Even at my age, Diane, I know where the club face is every single millimeter of my swing, and I know where, where it's going to go, and he doesn't, and that's that's where that is. It's a problem. So we've been talking about our new show on Sports Grid. If you haven't heard of Sports Grid before or you're not familiar with it, then you can find them on, well, sportsgrid.com, on YouTube, on Roku, on Apple TV, on Amazon Fire TV. They're on pretty much every TV streaming service. You just have to go on and search for Sports Grid. But our show is going to be there every Wednesday, 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern, and then 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern as well. So it's going to be fun for us because we go into a lot more detail when it comes to the sizzle and the fizzle for all the tournaments this week and those wild card picks at the end. Yeah, we, we're going to have fun with it. I'm going to take my expertise of the tour. I'm going to work a template out how to play this course put some statistics down that I think are the most important, weigh them, take all the stats of the players for those, and do a re-ranking of every player in the field. There's no more of this, oh, I think he's going to do well because he's got some new caddy or this because of that. No, we're going all facts all the way. All facts, for sure. And if you're listening to this after Wednesday for the PGA Championship, then you can watch it again on YouTube and we'll be doing it again next week. But it's worth going to listen back just to see how we're going to calculate all of this going forward and how the secret golf re-ranking actually comes about. Next week on the PGA Tour, it's the Wyndham Championship and Secret Golf's JT Poston is defending champion. So we're going to talk to him and um, we're going to find out what the trick is to playing that course so well. Going bogey-free, which he did, <laughs> definitely helps. Elk, but you can give us your insight to because Greensboro was the home of your first PGA Tour win. We're, we're, we've got all your victories like stacked up here. They're all lining up, Diane. When I won in 1990, uh, you know, of course I won the trophy and the money, but you know what the most significant thing uh, about winning in Greensboro was you got your name to be on the Beer Cup the next year at Greensboro. So everyone... <laughs> could look at your name on the beer cup but unfortunately there'll be no fans this year but we're going to break it all down for you anyway excellent right thank you so much for listening to the podcast and we will catch you next week sports social podcast network